I'm Brian Santo, EE Times Editor-in-Chief. You're listening to EE Times On Air. And this is your weekly briefing for the week ending April 9th. Ten years ago, ARM introduced a major revision in the architecture of its processor cores. That upgrade propelled ARM down a path of phenomenal success. The company just announced its first new major architectural revision since then, which the company hopes will be good for another decade of expansion. ARM's actual announcement was a little light on details, but the company did make some details available, and we happen to know a guy who went through them. This week, we examine ARM's new roadmap for its next 10 years with Tyrius analyst Kevin Crewell. First, here's a quick rundown of some of the top articles we have in EE Times this week. EE Times has been writing about the development of autonomous vehicles and assisted driving technology for some years now. The technology companies involved have been acting the way technology companies have always acted. They're labeling everything they're doing proprietary and keeping that information secret. Now, that's understandable in most circumstances for most products, but it's completely not suitable behavior when making cars, which need to meet safety standards, but must also show how they meet the standards. Global editor Junko Yoshida has a new article about how the companies that are developing new technology for cars are going to have to change their behavior. The SolarWinds data breach might have been the worst intelligence failure since 9-11, and that's actually saying something. Preventing similar failures in the future will depend in part on companies and organizations reporting about security breaches. There's a problem with reporting protocols, though. According to contributor Ann Thrift, read her story on the web at eetimes.com. Another top story. Just a few weeks ago, Intel's new CEO, Pat Gelsinger, announced that the company was going to establish an independent foundry business. The move was surprising given the context, which is that the company is still trying to get past manufacturing difficulties at the 10 nanometer node. That would have been one of the most advanced IC manufacturing processes at the time had Intel remained on schedule. When Gelsinger made his announcement about Intel Foundry Services, he said the company would soon provide details about commercializing its first 10 nanometer products. And that's what Intel just did. The company announced it has already shipped about 200,000 Ice Lake processors. Ice Lake chips are the newest versions of the company's highly successful Xeon processors. One of the biggest markets for Ice Lake will be data centers. The next voice you hear belongs to Naveen Chinoy, Intel Executive Vice President and the General Manager of the company's Data Platforms Group, talking about the demands of data centers. The data centers of the future will look very different from how they do today. They'll be more distributed in size and location, built on both public and private clouds. Compute, storage, and memory will be increasingly disaggregated, leveraging pools of connected infrastructure. Security will be architected in at the chip level. Flexibility will extend across hardware, software, applications, and services, deployed as smaller units called microservices for the faster development time and time to value. CPUs and XPUs will work closely together to solve increasingly complex problems across these distributed environments. And that is why over the last several years, 
Intel has built an unmatched portfolio to deliver every component of intelligent silicon our customers need to move, store, and process data. From CPUs to FPGAs to AI processors to GPUs to Ethernet to silicon photonics and to software. EE Times editor Sally Ward-Foxton runs down the features and performance of Ice Lake processors and explains how Intel plans to support data centers and other customers with the new line. You can find these and other stories when you visit our website at eetimes.com. If you reached this episode through our podcast webpage, there are links to all of these stories on your left. Back in the 1980s, consumers knew the brand names of the computers they bought. IBM and Apple, Commodore and Compaq, Amstrad and Sinclair. The average consumer had never heard of the companies that made the microprocessors that were the engines enclosed in the cabinets of those still mostly desktop machines. Companies like Motorola, Zilog, MOS Technology. That changed in 1991 with Intel's Intel Inside advertising campaign. Pretty soon, average consumers were talking about microprocessors the way their parents might have talked about car engines back in the 1960s people became aware of what was under the hood. ARM, today, is a little like Intel before 1991, in that the average consumer hasn't heard of the company that almost certainly designed the processor in the smartphones that the majority of people on the planet have in their pockets or purses. About 10 years ago, ARM introduced version 8 of its architecture. It was a fairly big deal. The company announced some key innovations for V8 and also plotted out a roadmap that built out on those innovations. The announcement, combined with the roadmap, built excitement around ARM's processor cores, which the company rode to overwhelming dominance in the smartphone market and to solid success in other markets such as automotive and the Internet of Things, among others. Recently, the company held a virtual conference and introduced version 9 of its architecture. No one can doubt that ARM wants the introduction of V9 to be as big of a deal as the introduction of V8 a decade ago. ARM was a little light on details about V9, but to be fair, it was a little light on the details back in 2011 on V8 too. Kevin Crewell is a principal analyst with Tirius Research. He's an engineer who in the past has worked at NVIDIA and AMD, and he's been a regular guest on this podcast. We know he knows his stuff. If anyone was going to ferret out whatever details there were about ARM v9, it was going to be our old pal Kevin. I called him up earlier this week to see what he was able to unearth about ARM v9. What details were you able to ferret out that suggests what the difference is between v8 and v9? So using my technology and analyst skills, I dug deep into, uh, obviously, which was their website. And uh, so <laughs> after, you know, the you bloodhound yeah, yeah. you, um, actually, there's lots of details on the arm developer website, developer.arm.com going into and breaking it down on a little more detail. Now, you have to do it to give it the uh, arm uh, was blunt, not blunt, but a forthcoming of the fact that this was a vision uh, that they were they were laying out for the architecture for V9, um, and it it isn't. I mean, V8 was a huge change for ARM. I, I mean, introduced 
uh, with the 64-bit extensions to ARM, and that was that was a you know a, a massive change for the ARM architecture from 32-bit only to now 64-bit and 32-bit back. It's compatible, so it's it's really hard for uh, ARM to you know um, follow up with that. So ARM v9 um, is, and in this case specifically, just the A profile, which is the Cortex-A line used in smartphones and servers and such. Um, there's some big changes in there, but maybe not as quite a big change as it was from 7 to 8. And in fact, what I found going through the website is that a lot of the features that are showing up in ARM uh, 9.0 and 9.1 will also be backported to uh, future versions of the ARM 8 architecture. So some of the stuff is exclusive to ARM 9, but there's a lot that they mentioned in the Vision conference that is also going to be available on uh, ARM V8. So they're, they're not necessarily making everything exclusive to ARM V9. The things that are exclusive to ARM V9 include uh, Scalable Vector Extension 2, SVE2, which is now a variable with uh, vector extension instead of the SVE1, which was um, used in the, the supercomputer from Japan. Um, but SVE2 is more dynamic in terms of its variable uh, width, so it, it will scale uh, for from lower end to higher end uh, solutions. Uh, transactional memory extensions, uh, which is uh, used for uh, writing highly parallel code, making it run more efficiently. Uh, I think that will show up mostly in servers. Uh, something called branch record buffered extension. Uh, that's coming later for the ARM v9 instruction, but it uh, it captures uh, branches and allows it uh, for better for debugging. And then something that they really focused heavily on, which is this Realm uh, management uh, platform, and there are extensions for that for confidential computing. And that's going to come sometime in the future. So that's naturally not going to be available at ARM 9.0 release. Uh, but uh, the Realm uh, uh, security management extensions are ARM's attempt to really go into enterprise class of computing platforms with uh, even at a higher level of security. So I think that's one of their big separators, and that will be available in 9, but not necessarily not backward portable debt. To V8. Yeah. So these are these are not insignificant technological advances. Yeah. They're, they're, some of them are very significant, um, but they're not like a, a, a clear break like 32-bit to 64-bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're spread across V8 and V9. Um, but it sounds as if that they're signaling that moving forward, they're going to have uh uh, a f- set of features and a direction that will support a new set of applications or, or one that they haven't been as successful in that enterprise area that you just mentioned before. Is that, might that be a reasonable way to look at what ARM's doing? Here? I believe so. Yeah. I, they're, they're moving the architecture forward. And I think that's another reason to use to, to increment the, uh, the numbering scheme. I mean, um, there are ARM uh, definitions for ARM, V8 up to ARM V8.7 um, in on their website with details and some of the stuff like B Floyd 16, which is used for uh, machine learning applications, and that's going to be an 8.6 uh, high precision timers. There's a number of uh, features uh, 
generalized matrix multiplication gem, that's an 8.6 as well. Uh, but that also be in 9.1. So there are a number of overlaps, and I think these are high-performance compute functions that could be backported to 8. But when you start talking about enterprise class, I think they wanted uh, ARM, that is, wanted to um, elevate the architecture to another level. And I think by going from mm. V8 to V9, they're signaling that uh, the ARM architecture is evolving to another level. So I think the target markets here are high-performance computing applications and, and also enterprise-class computing applications. And I think the security features, uh, the scalable vector extensions give you more high-performance compute on the platform. Uh, the transactional memory is another uh, unique feature that can be useful in increasing performance in data center applications. So I think they're elevating the architecture to another level um, and to bring it in direct competition and compatibility with enterprise class security, enterprise class computing. Yeah. And these are extensions. Some of the extensions uh, end up uh, paralleling what some of their competitors are doing in the same area. Yeah. I mean, the, the goal here to, to be enterprise class um, is to compete with uh, Intel Xeons, um, AMD Epic, um, and even IBM Power to bring it up to that level of, you know, to bring the architecture up to that level of performance and security. And um, it, it, it's, uh, you know, ARM has evolved over the years and is, you know, I think it's wants to be considered a first-class architecture to any other architecture in the data center. And I think this mm -hmm. is their, their, their play for that. This is their, their movement into that, that arena. Well, with, uh, with the performance improvements, I mean, they've always hit uh, on their ambition to get into those areas um, with the thinking that um, their, their expertise in low power processing seemed to be a, a fit hand in glove with what data centers wanted. Um, but perhaps they might not have had the horsepower with their com processors before. And perhaps also they might not have had a clear roadmap for where they were going um, with, with performance improvements, which data centers love to see. And it looks like they're providing both with this, this transition to nine. Yeah, initially um, the focus on power efficiency uh, was to hold over from their uh, smartphone and, and tablet business. Um, was the dominant, you know, power efficiency was the dominant theme. But then with the the advent of Neoverse uh, set of cores and uh, even the uh, ARM X1 core, um, they've suddenly, they have really moved to step up performance as a, uh, a lead um, feature. Uh, still power efficient, but, you know, more on the performance side, not just necessarily performance per watt, uh, just to accelerate that. And part of it is, I think, um, the competition from even ARM licensees like uh, Apple has done very performant cores uh, within the ARM architecture uh, that they'd like to, to offer something from the standard ARM core that would be uh, comparable to what uh, Apple has developed. Uh, Qualcomm has bought uh, Nuvia to also step up its performance to be with Apple. Uh, so the... the um, the cores themselves have now moved from just a power efficient to performance with still power efficiency. And then adding all these other features, security features, and uh, that are required for enterprise class, 
um, as well as, I mean, one, one thing we can't forget is that NVIDIA is trying to buy ARM at this point in time. So NVIDIA's focus and ARM's focus are now coming into alignment. You know, NVIDIA's focused on enterprise, it's focused on AI, um, it's focused on high-performance compute. And uh, so now we're, we're seeing a, a, a further alignment of the corporate goals of ARM and the corporate goals of NVIDIA uh, prior to, the, to an acquisition taking place. Um, and so I think that's that also could be uh, part of the push for this ARM uh, V9 at this point in time. So we've talked a little bit about performance. We've talked a little a little bit about the AI. Uh, is there anything more about those before we move on to a couple of the other points that uh, ARM CEO Simon Seegers was hitting on at the uh, the introduction? He's talking about confidential computing and and IoT security. Before we move to those, anything else about AI or performance? Well, I, one of the things that ARM is doing is is rolling uh, AI performant um, features in throughout the entire ARM core uh, Cortex uh, family of, mm-hmm. uh, and that's important because I actually am a, a believer that uh, AI workloads are going to be prevalent in everything from microcontrollers all the way up to servers. So therefore, having uh, some level of AI acceleration in your CPUs and your GPUs and your DSPs and other accelerators um, is going to be one of the mega trends for uh, CPU architecture and architecture going forward. Uh, Intel is doing it with DL Boost, um, their architecture. Um, you're going to see, I think, other architectures step up. Uh, certainly, RISC V is uh, adding their own vector extensions as well and focused on AI. So, I, this is one of the, their arm is joining this wave of every AI everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and so I see that as an important part of V9 as well. Yeah. So AI everywhere, but also, uh, so that, that is a, uh, a conceptual leap to the next thing, which is um, security everywhere. Um, they're looking, you know, they were talking about confidential computing um, and they were also talking about IoT security. And the two things are different I've got an intuitive grasp of why, but I'm wondering if I could get you to to give us a sense of where confidential commuting fits and where IoT security, you know, where where, where those two things diverge from each other. Um, they're, they're, I mean, in many ways they're all similar is that you want to keep your data encrypted and, and safe. Uh, confidential computing, it's important that the data in a, in a data center, whether it's in a virtual machine or running on bare metal, that the data at uh, in at rest, the data in storage, and the data in compute in movement is all protected. Um, and in fact, that's part of the goal of confidential computing. Um, AMD is involved in it. Uh, IBM is involved in it. Intel is involved in it. It's uh, a major uh, data center and enterprise class uh, uh, standard going forward. The, to make sure that all the, um, the data uh, is protected no matter where it is and, and what you're doing to it. On the IoT side, I, I, you see that, but um, on-the-fly encryption decryption or, or working on encrypted data is a little more complicated, a little harder to do. So their um, root of trust is important. Uh, the communication, almost all the IoT or edge devices have to communicate back to a, a host of some sort. And in that transaction, that communication of data, that needs to be protected along the way. So 
I, I see it a little bit differently. You don't necessarily need to worry about large data files on an IoT device, um, but you need the fact that the communication links in and out of the device and the boot are all protected. So, I, I, in, but in a data center, the data in in flight in uh, transacting on on data paths within the data center need to be protected as well. A little more, a little more detailed, a little deeper uh, level of security. Now it's a, it's really easy for gearheads to get attracted to the uh, you know to to the performance numbers to uh, you know to uh, the number of transistors to uh, you know whether this is implemented in chiplets or not, but the security and and the the confidential computing. Um, you know, they, I don't know, do they actually show up, um, as, as an architectural feature if they, either way, I mean, it seems like the, neither of these is unimportant. It's just that they don't seem to have a, a clear physical engineering implementation yet. Well, I mean, the, Going back to the V9, the first silicon implementation of V9 is supposed to come out later this year. And I believe uh, MediaTek is going to be one of the first out. So what I assume is it's going to be a performance core with uh, probably the uh, SVE2, Scale of Vector Extension 2, uh, on it. Uh, actually, this is one of the big differences from, uh, from ARM now is um, last time when they talked about V8, when they released it, we didn't see silicon for, for a while. So here we're, we're seeing, I don't remember exactly how, but the first actual implementation of 64-bit was the Apple uh, cores, uh, the Apple A series, ahead of everybody else. And ARM itself didn't even have a 64-bit uh, core when Apple released their 64-bit core. Um, this is different now. Although, we, again, this is a vision conference, so they didn't release a ARM V9 core at the conference. So they, didn't, they didn't announce any. But uh, I expect there is one, and it's and it's in the hands of uh, MediaTek right now. So we will find out more detail probably in the next few months as some uh, other announcements are made. But um, yeah, no, we're, we're ARM is much more um, moving much faster now than it had in the past. So this announcement we're seeing we'll see silicon later this year. Now whether they break it's broken up into chiplets or not um, that doesn't necessarily affect the architecture per se, but what, the other thing that ARM talked about was um, accelerating innovation in areas like Mali, their graphics core. Um, you could see um, a chiplet structure with uh, a Mali core and uh, an ARM V9 core. You could do it in chiplets or you can do it in a full SOC. Um, you can do it either way. And that's, that may be something we'll see more of in the future, but wasn't specifically tied to this announcement. But I expect that's one of the things we may see going forward is uh, breaking these things up into small into chunks um, where uh, parts of it can be implemented in different process nodes or just by different foundries and then glued together in a package. You know, you know one of the interesting things about the Intel announcement is that uh, their foundry uh, plan includes ARM cores. So I mean, could could go to could go to Intel for ARM as well. That was, that was really quite, that was almost shocking, right? Well, yeah, ARM and our RISC-5 are right. both uh, IP that they'll uh, that Intel will be supporting in their Foundry program. 
as well as x86. So you could you could be crazy. You could mix in x86, ARM, and RIS-5 all in one design. And you're just the guy to do it just because. Uh, you just put it in the blender and turn on the, the, <laughs> the this, you know, blend it all together. I, you know, you should sell that to like the EDA companies. It's like, you know, stop, call, <laughs> stop, stop calling it. I mean, call it, you know, call it a blender. Yes. <laughs> All right. Now that we've got trademark settled, Kevin, thank you so much for your, uh, for your time today. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And you too, Brian. It's always fun. That was Kevin Crewell, principal analyst at Tirius Research. We invite you to keep reading EE Times and listening to this podcast for ongoing coverage of processor technology, data center innovations, and of course we'll keep tabs on the intended merger of NVIDIA and ARM. And that is a wrap for the weekly briefing for the week ending April 9th. Thank you for listening. The weekly briefing is available on all the major podcast platforms, but if you get to us via our website at eetimes.com slash podcasts, you'll find a transcript along with links to the stories we mentioned. This podcast is produced by EE Times. It was engineered by Taylor Marvin and Greg McRae at Coop Studios. The segment producer was Katie Huss. I'm Brian Santo. See you next week. Oh, yeah. We're here. We're live. Well, we're Memorex. Wow. When was the last time you actually held something on Memorex tape in your hands? I may still have a Memorex tape somewhere in my pile of crap. Wow. I wonder if any, yeah, old guys talking about the, you know, Techno- bygone technology. Hey, Kevin, what about your icebox? Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember working with the the ice man? <laughs>